There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now your bits. Feet, toes. Come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... <sighs> Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. What's good, Dave? This is a really basic one. Okay. In kayfabe. Is Drew McIntyre trying to kill some dudes with his sword? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if you read the WWE rule book, but um, you can kill people via sword, but not, you know, chairs. Chairs, <laughs> eye rakes, sand and mist in the face, all illegal. Thrift doesn't see it. But carrying a sword, nothing about that in the rule books. Well, Vince gave him the sword, that. apparently. That um, is true. <laughs> it is it's just a very strange thing i mean the sword is weird for a lot of reasons i like the look like whatever you know we all, we all loved it when you know okada had the big freaking manga sword on his back or whatever i love a sword yeah swords are cool swords are but usually actually, very he cool actually, but this is now he's like regularly chopping the top rope while he's swinging it guys and, like and and it makes the turnbuckles explode like in which i didn't know swords do that like you could slice a rope and cause a spontaneous combustion Com combun combunction convulsion whatever i mean because you watch it, up. <laughs> you watch you watch the move and you're just like well obviously this is well rehearsed and he's not really getting it you know not, but but you know if if Sheamus slipped or something he could have gotten could have gotten nicked and that's just outside of kayfabe in kayfabe well drew's like swinging a freaking sword at dude's head dave is there a part of me that feels like i will be disappointed if drew doesn't eventually stab someone with this sword <laughs> is that not is that not like is that not giving the people what they want like that's what that's what they're trying to say we want like we mm -hmm. want this man drew mcintyre to impale a wrestler with this five foot long sword or else you're not giving the fans uh what they paid for so maybe he gets impaled with it maybe it's a just dessert sort of situation yeah maybe it's like i brought shame upon my family and just <laughs> stabs himself one day all right it's done we booked it let's start the show <laughs> 
What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening, you're to, listening to, to You're listening to And you're listening to, you're listening to You are listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you Yo, doing, buddy? Feeling good, Dave. Um, how are you, man? Good. A little bit under the weather this week, but you know, we're, we're watching wrestling. Nothing not to feeling, about. You're not feeling COVID-y, are you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Just tired. Ah, um, that's good. Uh, <laughs> it's up that I said that's good. It's not good, but you nah, know. We're fine. <laughs> um. Anyway, it's a you know a relatively quiet week in the pro wrestling world. Oh my um, gosh. Uh, got, can I start off the podcast a little uh, peculiarly? Peculiarly, please. Last week, uh, we finally caught one that Jim Cornette was talking crazy about Dave Shoemaker, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Jim Cornette, listen, as a, as a fan of wrestling, as somebody who's watched it my entire life, I have nothing but the utmost respect for everything that Jim Cornette has done in wrestling and wrestling media for wrestlers. It's inconsequential. But to say who the hell is a David Shoemaker to your hundreds of thousands of millions of followers just makes you look silly. Like, <laughs> no, it's put some okay. respect. No, no, no. Cause Dave will never say it. Cause Dave's such a nice dude that he wants no smoke. And I'm not even giving Jim, giving Jim Cornette smoke, but like, yo, do a Google search, bro. Like put some respect on his names. Best-selling author, best-selling wrestling author talking about like, critically acclaimed wrestling documentaries like you should be you should be ever so honored that a guy like david shoemaker speaks to wrestling with such reverence with such character with class he see classes up the joint when he when he interviews people when he does this wrestling media and it's not just wrestling media it's a bunch of other things so jim i respect you I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of pro wrestling, so I'll never disrespect Jim Cornette. But you sound crazy when you're trying to disparage the good name of my man David Shoemaker. So do a Google search. Wrestling media is better off for having a guy like David Shoemaker in it. So if he wants to be in every damn wrestling podcast, every damn wrestling documentary, put his ass in it. And that's I all I got to say. I about appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate you doing damage control ahead of the Goldberg A and E documentary, which apparently <laughs> I have a big role in. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even know that, by the way. I didn't guess which one you were in. But. I did. I, I talked to him about a couple of them. You never know what you're going to be in, like what you're, how much you're going to be on screen or whatever like that. But these are, um, but, you know. Goldberg Do you know which is, one I'm in? No. I know I, did, I, I know I did. The, I know I did the Bella Twins one, but I don't yeah. know if there was other, other ones that I was going to say. Yeah, Rosenberg is the only one that knows all this stuff. I guess the directors probably know too. Um, nice. 
But yeah, so anyway, uh, I have, listen, I, I will always have respect for Jim Cornette. One, because he's an incredible wrestling historian, incredibly wrestling mind. But of course. if you've taken the bump off of the Night of the Skywalker's <laughs> pla- uh, scaffolding and broken whatever he did, blew out both his knees and broke his hip or whatever. I mean, that is, yeah. that is a, Bad you always man. have my respect, man. Bad motherfucker. I'll never disrespect Jim Cornette like that. But it's like, come on, brother. Just one simple Google search, just because you know, just because you haven't heard of the guy or whatever. Well, like it's it's. You whatever. don't have to. You don't have to admire anything that I've done. But I would just hope that if he did, he could Google search and quickly quickly enough find out that I'm also from Louisville, Kentucky, and that there might Talk be there might be some sort of kinship there, some sort of <laughs> you know hometown what if, discount. What if, what if the what if the end of this is like you and Jim Cornette are related? And nobody, <laughs> dude. What if that's the big Louisville's story. a big city, but like, but like, if it's small enough that like, you know, Jim Cornette might have been my babysitter when I was a kid. <laughs> like, I like it's that kind of place. I can see that. I can see that. But nah, all, all respect in the world to Jim Cornette. It was just I couldn't. I couldn't let that. Like once I saw that clip, like at the end of the last episode, I was like, you know, what, let me watch this. Let me read this. I'm like, come on, bro. Don't don't. Well. No disrespect, bro, but come on. One single Google search. And of course, and, and what you do obviously is a as a as a benefit. Dude, if I'm but if I'm if I'm just his like if I'm just the Kenny Omega of wrestling media to him, I mean it's worked out okay for Kenny. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> let's that's talk good, about that's a good, let's talk that's about a good pro wrestling. Um a lot let's of like I said, relatively quiet week. We got a Second round from the Wall Street Journal on mm-hmm. the Vince McMahon story. Um, I got to tell you, uh, you know, obviously we said before, I'm, I'm particularly in a kind of interesting place when it comes to having this conversation. Uh, but I will say that from an outside, if I, you want to take the outside point of view, well, the writers are uh, did an interview on Busted Open and, and you kind of got the feeling that there was more to come, which is, you know, Maybe not yeah. shocking at this point. Not shocking at this point, no. Uh, it does, you know, there's a sort of back and forth on whether or not the mainstream media is paying attention to this. Well, I mean, the Wall Street Journal is doing it. You know, ESPN is sending out push alerts or whatever whenever a story breaks. I mean, it's 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 kind of out there. And I do just kind of feel like, I don't know. It feel it, There feels to be a little bit more of actual momentum behind it, of like some sort of inevitability at this point. I mean, listen, when you have dudes like Sean Sapp, who are tweeting? It's time for Vince to be gone. What do you have? Fuck it. Like, du- like who? Who? Which was? It? Oh, like WWE at WWE Gareth. Like one of the most Homer WWE Twitter accounts in the history of mankind <laughs> yeah. said, you know, Vince McMahon, I love you, but it's time to it's time yeah. we start seeing other people or whatever. It's like there there does seem to be a little bit of a of a you know of of a vibe. Yeah, I, I think know. the precedent that's been set is that that's what usually happens, right? Like we've seen it with, but is it that we've seen it with, we've seen it where, you know, this is the inevitability to someone being um, ousted from a company. And there's been times where it's just dragged on and on and on to where people either just forget about it or, you know, it just kind of gets swept under the rug. And at this point, like, I really don't know which way it's going to go. Like, I've I seen, you know, I don't want to, it's hard to compare the two, but just for, like, you know, a lazy man's sake, a lazy sort of, like, comparison, I think of, like, the Dan Snyder thing with, like, the Washington Commanders. And, you know, I think of, like, you know, very powerful NFL owners and being caught sort of in the crossfire. I guess, I guess you could even, 
you know, even sort of compare it, but not in the race way, but, you know, uh, in, in the way where the owner's presence is doing more harm than good is like Donald Sterling as well. You know, like definitely not in the same way it was racist and, you know, uh, and, and a lot of other things. But there, there comes a time where so many things are happening, especially when you have a board of directors that answer to and you're a publicly traded company and all this type of stuff that these sort of things just keep on happening. It almost does feel like an inevitability. Like this might be the thing that pushes, um, you know, that, you know, really yeah, gets the, Vince to leave. I mean, but I there's think also the, po- the possibility that nothing happens. You know, like I have no idea. Well, I, I have no clue how this is going to shake. Yeah, when it comes to like mainstream media and just general public opinion, it it, it is going to amount to like when they do the sort of formal. If there's an if the investigation doesn't turn up any the internal investigation doesn't turn up anything partic- new or particularly you know galling, and WWE's just like, well, Vince has done his penance. He's step down from the top role it's just at that point is it do people just say like okay and move on i mean that that's that's sadly what it would it would you know kind of come down to um the nfl corollary i mean i think that that maybe is most interesting here is jerry richardson you know the panthers owner who was forced to sell the team i mean he straight up had to sell it now obviously people like dan snyder jerry jones like whatever have more power within the nfl but you know jerry richardson was the owner of an NFL franchise yeah. and was, and was, you know, and now he's not. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, there's it, anything could happen. It's a, it's a, um, you know, Vince didn't pop up on SmackDown this week. You know, no. it's one of those, it's, 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 we're definitely in a different phase. I think what kind of changes the conversation a little bit is even if you, you, you saw what happened with the first sort of um, news that broke, you could almost still sort of rationalize like it was a consensual relationship, even though it was an unethical one, right? Um, this, these rounds don't seem like that. It seems, you know, especially uh, there's unnamed employees, former talent that's been rumored to be involved. You see Mickey James make a, comment saying oh that's why i never got that raise and all these you know sort of stories starting to come out it definitely doesn't seem like it's over it definitely doesn't seem like this is the last of things to come and you know with that if if it's like sort of this sort of tsunami tidal wave getting ready to wash over i'll be surprised to see i'll be i'll be shocked if 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 you know something substantial doesn't happen as a result of it and this is not a th- not necess- specifically a statement about WWE, but to all the sort of you know online WWE and Vince supporters out there, you t- you already talk yourself into a corner when you're saying, like you said about the first one, like hey, it was a consensual relationship, you know, it's a NDA, it's like you know the, the, you don't have the police involved, so nothing like all the arguments that people made about the first one. Mm-hmm. When more stuff starts coming out that doesn't fit the exact description, the exact definition you just made of like an acceptable whatever this is, then you're you're arguing against yourself you know so um yeah we'll watch it we're gonna keep paying attention i mean listen i apologize for whatever but this is an awkward conversation because uh but we can't keep talking about pro wrestling yes um, we can well last night we got new AEW tag team champions yes you might you might have heard of these guys yes it's uh keith lee and swerve what do you think 
it's like uh <laughs> it almost feels like Tony Khan came on the show and like after we did the show it was like yeah we got to put the tag titles on these guys <laughs> you know like cuz it was weird like the bucks just kind of came out and you know it almost feels like they had to retcon um the Jeff Hardy situation right like if you listen to people who are kind of in the know um apparently it was supposed to be the Hardy boys winning the the AW tag team titles in that triple threat ladder match that included jungle jungle express Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks and then you know the Young Bucks are the bosses and kind of did what they had to do and you know put the titles on themselves mhm and I think it was the right call, man. Like as soon as I came out and just sort of like out the blue changed it into this like triple or nothing, uh, triple threat tag team match. You got the feeling either Ricky Starks and powerhouse or swerve in our glory was going to walk out with the tag titles and kind of like switch the direction of where they were going, um, in that tag team division. Because even though the AEW tag team titles are important, uh, the most important tag team in the company is FTR. And, uh, you know, this kind of puts a fresh coat of paint on what could be a very exciting, you know, all out in Chicago. If, you know, what we're thinking is going to happen mm-hmm. is eventually going to happen. You know, like I think FTR is ready to come back and, and try and get those AEW tag team titles and, um, you know, swerving our glory since they've arrived. And obviously, and if you listen to the show, you've known I'm a huge Keith Lee fan. Swerve Strickland's a good friend of mine, a guy I've, I've vouched for and has gone hard for even before he got into AEW. Um, and those are two dudes who have done nothing but, you know, live up to the hype that a lot of people have heaped on them uh, as solo acts and as a and as a tag team. You know, like the whole Shaq and Kobe sort of mm-hmm. storyline that they've been running with about like not necessarily being, you know, on the on the best of terms, but still being good enough to be champions. Kind of sets up a nice easy out for FTR, this FTR match, and gives them out to eventually have a, a Swerve versus Lee one on one. And FTR eventually taking the AEW tag team titles and being like the ultimate dragons of tag team wrestling. But the match itself, I thought was was fantastic, man. Like the Young Bucks, I mean, if you're still trying to convince yourself that the Young Bucks aren't like an all time great tag team, that are more than just people who do crazy spots and aren't like really just a, a, a generational sort of chemistry that they have when it comes to, you know, just action packed, nonstop, incredible physical storytelling. You're playing yourself like the Young Bucks are, you know, some of the best entertainers I've ever seen in, in, oh, a, in yeah. a wrestling ring. And they can literally make a, a, a fantastic match out of anybody. And when you have an incredible, you know, incredible talent in that ring the moments spoke so loud throughout right the powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee moments all hit Swerve Strickland getting to really show just how good he is really hit Ricky Starks had another star making performance and I don't know how long they can keep him in the tag team because I think he's a solo star ready to break out and like I said the young bucks are who they are but at the end of the day man it was really good to see Swerve and Lee um end the show on top as tag team. And uh, now I really want to see how they take this story and how far they can really go with this whole, uh, how long can they get along while still being incredibly effective 
sort of tag team. You know what I mean? So I, I loved it. I thought it was the gra- a great call by AEW. I agree, man. I mean, I love, I love, obviously the AEW tag division is just elite, no pun intended. And to have, you know, basically FTR is living in like a parallel universe right now from everybody else. Um, and they're still just having these like huge matches like the one they had last night. Also for a company that started out in just kind of the traditional tag team mold, right? I mean, there's most of the tag teams are like existing tag teams. They, you know them as a twosome. You know them as a unit. To be able to just seamlessly put Keith and Swerve in there and Hobbs and Starks, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I agree. I mean, you can, you can, you know, you can path your way forward. You can draw the path forward to the next pay-per-view. And man, if you get, if you get Swerving Our Glory and FTR, I mean, that could be a lot of fun. That's the sort of team that you want to see FTR work, you know, just to yep. sort of. Um, I don't I don't think we get to see FTR work enough big guys. Yeah. And just the fun stuff I could see, not just them doing with Keith Lee, but Keith Lee doing to them. Is, is something I'm really excited to see. And I'm I'm really glad, you know, I've said how how underrated I think Swerve Strickland has been for a long time because I think he was still trying to, like, get his character right. And I still think he's still kind of making the tweaks there as far as, like, what his character is um, and people how people could really truly understand him. But in the ring, the dude is undeniable. Like, he's just so oh, smooth man. and slick and just moves like you think an actual fighter would move you know, in in a wrestling ring. So I'm really, I'm really digging where they're going with this, man. They usually don't miss when it comes to the tag team division. So I'm excited to see where, where, where it ends up. Claudio beat Jake Hager last night too. Now I'm, I'm going to take Swerve out of this question because he was never, he only had a cup of coffee, coffee on the main roster. We didn't talk about him that much in terms of WWE opportunity so right i'm gonna give you three names you tell me who wwe dropped the ball on more in terms I already, of no, i already have the answer no no no, no. you don't you're not <laughs> okay okay well listen okay go ahead here, go here, 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 your three. Three, here are your three choices in terms of the amount of time they could have spent on top you know okay. could, how, how big they could have been to the company right here are your choices claudio mm-hmm. aka cesaro keith lee or Dolph Ziggler. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, it's hard to say they dropped the ball on Dolph Ziggler because he's had moments that he's are had, bigger than but, but that almost makes it more damning. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I know I also know he had injury history as well. I remember his biggest moment when he cashed in money in the bank, became world champion. He was injured very shortly after. So that kind of curtailed whatever sort of like run he was about to go on. But I'd have to, it's hard, man, like, I feel like with, with, with Claudio slash Cesaro, he's so perfectly built for AEW that it's almost like this feels a lot more natural to him than I think he felt at WWE. Keith Lee, however, I mean, I was in the building for Survivor Series in Chicago, and those five minutes he had with the Tribal Chief, with Roman Reigns, was some of the best five minutes of heavyweight wrestling I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I talked to people directly after that match 
that are in charge of those type of decisions and was like, that's your future WrestleMania main event. So to go from that to completely not even getting a, a, a real fair shake at the main roster, it's got to be Keith Lee. And now people, and obviously people could say, well, you know, whatever they want about his body or what they thought, why he couldn't, you know, really shake out or the Bearcat stuff or whatever. But if you just take me from that moment, you know, because Cesaro has had his moments, Dolph has had his moments, but Keith had a moment that made me feel like this, this dude is, is, is the guy he's going to be the guy. It's an inevitability. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. Everybody wants it to happen. And to you know, there was gosh, man. If you remember back in the watch backstage on Fox back in the day when CM Punk was still on there, I remember them vividly saying there was a part where they were like, "Yo, if you had to pick somebody to win the Royal Rumble, who would it be?" And directly after that Survivor Series match, CM Punk says it should be Keith Lee. He's mm-hmm. as hot as anybody is right now, and if you got somebody hot, just strike while the iron's hot with him and go for it. And I'm not. You know, I don't remember who won that Royal Rumble. I think it was Drew, I want to say. I think that was the year that Drew won it, uh, right before the pandemic. But, man, it'll be... It's it's tough for me to not say that, you know, in a different universe, Keith Lee is like one of the biggest megastars in WWE. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, you well, the know Dolph thing a, is funny, especially after this week. <laughs> well, the Dolph thing also, there's an old story by... Who was it? One of the one of the WWE writers from the from that from that period yeah um that was recirculating i think this week after raw that when he cashed in on on uh del rio and, and won the championship mm-hmm. that uh the writer said that there was like whatever in the creative meeting backstage they announced they announced that he was going to go over and everybody was like holy shit seriously and mm-hmm. vince was like let me be clear we are not pushing dolph ziggler wow it was Kevin Eck. That's right. Brian Waters is Kevin Eck. Who's, wow. Yeah. Um, thanks, Brian. But yeah, it was... So they wanted the big pop. They wanted the big moment. They didn't actually... We're not actually... Have a plan for him afterwards. Yeah. It's so crazy. I know the heat on Dolph that's been reported over the years is like, well, he sells too much. He goes too hard in regular matches. It's like there's a whole lot of stuff, right? And I, and I know that there's more of like a philosophical thing where it's like if you establish yourself as someone who's great at putting other people over, then that you kind of get, you can kind of get pigeonholed that way. But I don't know. It's just hard to imagine them looking at Dolph and just being like, and not seeing, I mean, he seems like a perfect WWE guy, you know? I don't know. Just see, it just, it's, it, it seems sort of, it, it's shocking to me. He never got more of an opportunity. And the reason why we're talking about him right now, obviously, is that he made a shocking return on Monday Night Raw in mm-hmm. a nice, you know, in a nice like hipster shirt and tie situation, blazer and tie combo, and uh, <laughs> and attacked our our good friend Theory at the end of the main event. Um, let me, I'm going to ask you to, for your take on the whole thing. I think the, the I think first of all, it's incredibly interesting, and anytime a show can end like that, you're like, that's a great way to end the show because now we're like, what's going to happen, right? I mean. Ziggler has most recently was most recently feuding with Braun Breaker at NXT. We know that he's uh, he's you know choice number one for putting over young up and coming talent and making them look like a million bucks. That's certainly probably what's going on here. I guess what's interesting to me is didn't we already book Theory versus versus Bobby two for for the for SummerSlam? Like yeah. Theory already has a SummerSlam match. So what is what is Ziggler's role here going to be? 
I, that I'm not sure. I mean, I could see them going with the whole, I'm who you were 10 years ago sort of yeah, thing. And yeah. just being like, you know, I was the chosen dude. I won Mr. Money in the Bank. I'm I'm everything that you claim you are now and blah, blah, blah. And I can see Theory being like, yeah, but you kind of like never really lived up to your potential and blah, blah, blah. But like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like stuff in Theory's way right now, you know? Now you got Dolph. But on top of that, you already got this United States title match with Bobby Lashley, and then he's circling the the waters of the of the of the Roman and Brock last man standing Universal title match with that briefcase. Um, By the way, I love uh, that. I actually love what they've done with Theory this week, even after yes. the, the the rough time I gave him last week. I, 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 I think that I definitely think that are you is, are you officially on board with with the theory the theory. No. <laughs> still not still not, not rocking with it still not, not on the a train yet the uh <laughs> but i do think that they're doing a good job i mean and, and listen dolph's a good point of comparison of, of sort of you have to thread the needle between we know this guy isn't a main eventer yet mm-hmm. we all sort of subconsciously know by the end of whatever this run is he's going to probably be a main eventer mm-hmm. or they're about and so you have to sort of straddle that divide, right? You have you can't he, he, he's not going to just walk out in a Ric Flair robe and just be like I'm and, he, and they try to put him over as the best wrestler in the company, right? But they so they sort of have to it, keep him present in our minds, you know, whatever. Just like find a way to like keep him vital. And I think that the way that Roman Reigns sort of looks at him does actually a lot of work for me in terms of making allowing me to understand what i'm supposed to be feeling about theory if that makes any sense you know and that's why dudes like roman are super valuable because they they can speak for the company you know without saying a word um but yeah i mean i i I think that it's been a good week for him but you're right there's a lot of stuff in his way i have a suggestion for you what's the suggestion you were just talking about it how you know ziggler's back and he's like I was where you were, and and you're right. Theory can say, yeah, but you you didn't, you know, you you didn't you look where you are now. Yeah. What if, what if Ziggler basically is just like, you're right. I but I <laughs> but I but I know how I I've I've lived it. I know where I went wrong. I know how I would do it all over. Yeah. What what if we're headed towards Ziggler as Theory's manager? Hmm. You know. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Like, I feel like there's one or two ways you can go with it. I think, you know, Theory is a guy in a mid-card feud and a main event feud at the same time. And if you're going to drag this out or give you a, a place where there's an out for him to not, you know, win, you know, any of these titles at SummerSlam. If he, if he just completely gutter balls all three opportunities to to win the United States title, mm-hmm. world and universal championship, I could definitely see Dolph Ziggler being a foil there. Um, but also, I mean, you make a lot of you make a lot of sense, man. Like he's been the suits and just kind of like coming out and watching. And I don't necessarily think Dolph Ziggler for as accomplished as he is and for the sort of trajectory you kind of see theory going. Um, it's not necessarily, I don't, I'm not sure if he poses a substantial threat to 
to to theory, you know? And I also think he doesn't necessarily make sense to have theory in a whole nother feud, you know, when he's got these two other things happening. So you saying he's, you know, going to be the tough love sort of like coach for theory and, you know, maybe his sort of protector of the briefcase, you know, or him just kind of like telling him, hey, I know exactly when to cash this thing in and the opportunity to like, let me be your guide. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could see that. I could see that. You, you've, I don't hate that at all. I think that'd be a funny thing to see. You know, I don't kind hate of that. the, kind of the, the visual of, of, uh, of Mr. Perfect managing Ric Flair, you know, mm. that sort of, is that the like, last infinity stone for Dolph? He has to have his manager, Kurt Henning, uh, yeah, maybe phase so. of his career well, no, to I mean, be and, the ultimate mid card star. Just in terms, <laughs> just in terms of the logistics, right? I yeah. mean, if, if they, if he came out on Monday and they said, you know, I know you've got a SummerSlam match, but I w- I'm going to fight you for the briefcase at Crooks and Castles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody would sort of tune out of the theory story so right too. away because it would just be like, well, we know exactly how the next two months are going to go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You got to kind of keep it vital, kind of keep it electric, you know? And at least, and even this way, you could be like, okay, well, I'm your manager. And then, you know, whenever the whenever the breakup comes, that could be like the defining moment for theory. You know, I mean, that could be that could be a big deal. You could also obviously throw do the MVP thing and like throw Ziggler out there as fodder to, you know, before with whoever he's feuding with, theory he's feuding with too. I mean, there, you can make a whole bunch of other matches that way. I don't know. I, I have no idea if that's the way they're going, but I'm just staring at this and I'm just like, as cool as this is, why, why, like, why are you closing a raw with a shocking face turn that is not going to affect SummerSlam? Unless you're throwing Ziggler into the match and make it a triple threat. I guess they could just do, you know, they could do Bobby and Dolph and Theory as a triple threat, and and that would be and at least that'd be a way not to just be doing the same match we did last time. Um, that actually probably makes a little bit more WWE sense than my pitch, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh, who knows? Nah, man, I'm, I think I'm hooked. Like the suit, like I'm I'm getting the visions of 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 ponytail, Mister Perfect. Mm-hmm. With the suit on, you know what I mean? Like, you know, being like that sort of manager who could also get his hands dirty. Uh, and you kind of see he was kind of leaning towards that with uh, Bobby Roode in his NXT run, you know. And uh, God, I guess the last time we really saw him was when he was NXT champion. It almost feels like a fever dream. I completely forgot that happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would, I, damn, I think, I think that's what I want to see now. I think that's what I want to see now. Like, maybe it doesn't happen immediately. Maybe they have a quick match or something like that. But, like, I can totally see that being the path of 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 making the most sense when it comes to what to do with Dolph. Because I do think, unfortunately, Austin Theory is already doing so many things with people. I don't want to say this disrespectfully to Dolph because I'm a Dolph fan. I think Theory's doing a lot of stuff with people that matter more than Dolph. And I think the only way of the scenarios that Dolph matters isn't like in a in a, in a briefcase match or them having a quick feud in between like all these other feuds he's having. I think it is kind of being like his tough love like sort of coach and being somebody who can like scout for him or train with him or or put him on the you know be yeah I, I think you talked me into it man this makes a lot of sense I'm in it I'm in with it. Well, um, well let's just keep trucking through because you got a hard I have another question about Raw. Yeah. Is We'll keep it brief. 
Do you think that the that the uh, Mysterios versus Judgment Day is going to end up with Dominic joining Judgment Day? A lot of people are theorizing this. Mm. And do you think that would be a better look for A, Dominic, and B, Judgment Day to have him in the group? I I I don't agree. I, I, I think we've all been sort of like fantasy booking this, this eventual uh, Dominic sort of turn um on Rey Mysterio for a long time and they've been a they've been a they've been a cool act for a while and you don't even realize how long they've been an act now for they've been like they've been going together for about like two years they've already won the tag team titles they've already done that but I don't think Judgment Day is the place for a Dominic I think Dominic has been you know so well positioned like you can argue that Dominic's been more well positioned in the past year or two than Finn Balor and probably comparable with Damian Priest, right? Like, you know, like as far as like TV time, as far as like, you know, being shown in, in a positive light, even in defeat, like just positioning wise, you know, I'm not sure if that makes more sense for Dominic to join a group than for him to just kind of like be on his own and and, and figure it out, you know, that way, you know, um, I, I still kind of feel like there's a lot of untold story with Edge, you know, and, you know, and I guess if you're trying to convince me that, this is eventually going to end up as, uh, you know, Edge and Rey Mysterio reuniting to take on Judgment Day. Maybe I can get with that. But as far as, like, what it means for Dominic, I don't think that's the right move for him. I think a, a guy like Dominic has a, a, a ton of potential, especially not just because I think he's really talented, but I think the story with Rey has more legs if it's just him and Rey. You know, I mm-hmm. think, you know, him being... I agree. In the, I think him being in a group, I think, I think I, I, you know, I lost hope on him eventually being like the ghost leader of like Legato del Fantasma, you know, after he was in uh, right. NXT for a couple of weeks. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that's kind of like the only way I would see that happening. I think, I think that. Well, listen, Ray and, and Finn had a banger on Monday night and it was a yeah. really good match. Finn went over clean, which is, you know, pretty cool, relatively clean. Um, but I think that, I don't know, man. And my first instinct was like, get keep Dominic away from this crew. But at the same time, it's like, I know Edge is going to come back and feud with him or whatever, but without Edge, any group like this sort of loses a little bit of its luster to WWE. I'm not making a personal judgment call. Mm-hmm. I think those three are great and should be running wild. But I wonder if putting Dominic in there sort of gives them a little bit more shine in WWE's eyes, you know, keeps them a little bit more relevant not you know, relevance maybe not the right word but like i know what you're keep, trying to say like, keeps I him think... at the top of wwe's booking interests because dominic's more dominic's another i mean obviously they got a lot of people i mean they got three people in that group even if you want to say you know finn is yesterday's news which would be stupid to say but even if you want to discount him they got two potential world champs in that group um i think and, they've been a little snake bitten you know like but I there think, is a snake bit feel to it and maybe having dominic there would at least get them at the top of the conversation when it comes to the booking committee or whatever maybe i don't know man um is there any update on rhea ripley is she like it, it seemed like she had like a pretty serious tooth like, issue yeah or, or heart issue or something a brain oh, really? issue she said like a brain it was a brain injury with through her tooth or something like that i don't know that seemed Speaking of fantasy booking, mm-hmm. and this is a note I made for you. Fantasy book. If you're on the if you're on the if you're on the in the writers' room, what is your plan for maximum male models? <laughs> because I because everybody's sort of into them, and I am too. Like it's funny, and it's like it's very you know it's old school wrestling, it's whatever. But like, 
given that WWE's business model is basically like anybody that can't be the rock is fired. You know, anybody, <laughs> any, any, anybody that doesn't have some, where there's not some version of upside equals world champion, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What is, what is the, what is the idea for maximum male models? Is it going to get LA Knight? I mean, sorry. Well, f- the former LA Knight. Max over? Dupree. Um, is, Ma- is Max going over or is it about the guys? Is it, is there, is there a way that these, that this ever feels like legit? If you I know what it, I mean? I do think it, it's eventually all about Max Dupree. Um, I do think they'll eventually be like a stable of just like, like, uh, man, I don't want to call them like the beautiful people 2.0, mm-hmm. but like it kind of gets that sort of vibe. Uh, I saw they, they put out like a, 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 a website where like fans oh, can like yeah. upload <laughs> photos of themselves to join the crew. And I went on Twitter yesterday and it's just like Max Dupree, uh, Mansoor, and and um gosh uh what was the, i forgot the the, the last guy's name mace and mace um just roasting fans <laughs> and like saying how ugly they are and like you know i've always had a soft spot for like the weirdness of professional wrestling when it comes to like just being like completely taking itself away too seriously right like i was i was i was a huge i was a huge tyler breeze fan for that reason right calling people uggos and shit and like just you know it's always it's it's a weird sort of fan interaction that maybe wwe has lacked for uh, a minute when it comes to a specific act right i was it's funny you said tyler breeze for some reason i was thinking about about Fandango when I every time Same. when I was thinking yeah, about them too. Fashion police, yeah. <laughs> but Fandango's like I've all I mean he will always be I know what I forget him half the time, but he's always at the top of my list of like dude who's not gonna end up probably won't end up in AEW, but a guy that you could just bring back and book into the upper mid card in a snap. You oh, know, yeah. I mean oh, yeah. and not I mean you could change his game. If, I mean, you if, hit, if you no, not even. If if there's ever a moment where like you bring him back and you hit that Fandango music again. It's been old enough that it's cool enough to be like, oh, I remember that. And I bet you the... Like, it'll no, no. be over again I, quickly. I, I will say, this is... I'm sure I fantasy booked this on the show years ago. But I think the real... The, I think the magic for Fandango, and it still works to this day, would be for him to come back... Because remember, he used to like do his name on the microphone and like shush everybody. Like, just have him come back, not say a word, ref- like refuse to have entrance music, and just have <laughs> the crowd do it for him. You know, just like I'm not that man anymore. I'm a yeah. new person. But he comes out, and the whole crowd is singing the Fandango theme song, and he can just like embrace it. That that would be so great because because everybody so. everybody loves it. Yeah. He's basically where I mean, you, you know. You you can I'm not even talking about ring skill necessarily, although I don't think there's that much of a difference. He's kind of like where Drew was when he left WWE. You know? Like why, why could Fandango not come back and just be like I mean, he's he's a real worker. He's yeah, he's, he's, Dango, he's, he's 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 got the look, he's got the whole thing. You know, he's not he's not like barnstorming the indies. He's the thing he's out there like flipping houses or something like that. But man, you could bring him back and make money off of him that'd be crazy to think he can't maybe he's maybe he should take over maximum male models <laughs> maybe him and max dupree feuding over the modeling company um what do you got brian now i was actually thinking about uh, more like like gender because it felt like gender disappeared mm. and then he just came back jack and then next thing you know he was wwe champion yeah like we saw the we saw drew become drew galloway become impact champion and you know really hit the scene so, but we didn't see 
uh, you had to like really look for stuff to find Jinder Mahal. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think, uh, I think we're in this weird time, not weird time. We're in a time where like enough people have been let go and they have enough time to kind of go out there and reinvent themselves that, you know, I think eventually we're going to start seeing like folks sort of like come back in that sort of Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal sort of mold of, you know, I'm a different guy now. And a lot of times that's what it takes for certain people. Sometimes you got to go away to come back and see what you really had. And, you know, like, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, uh, a, a dirty dango, but like, you know, we hear those Bray Wyatt, you know, rumors a lot, like those Braun Strowman rumors circulate mm-hmm. every couple of weeks. Like, you know, there's always going to be those guys that I think will always have a, an open door policy with WWE if they kind of went and proved themselves to be like, you know, a, a higher commodity. And we've already seen it work like gangbusters for Cody Rhodes, um, at however brief it was. And I don't think he's going to be the only person that kind of receives that sort of love and welcome back when it happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of opportunities there. A ton, a ton. Y'all think a guy like Karrion Cross could do that, dude? We can talk. I can talk about Karrion. Kaz. Do you really have to go? Uh, yeah, I got, I got a, a pretty important <laughs> Kaz, call. Ju- you if, jump. If we can Brian- pause. No, no, no we- just, just, just jump. And, and Brian and I will talk about Karrion Cross. We've been going at this for long enough. You can, awesome. you can have, you can have the day off. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that, guys. Say less with Kaz every Monday, <laughs> and uh, yeah, catch you next time, guys. Appreciate you. I'm gonna call this the run in. Brian Brian Water Brian Waters yeah. comes in, hits Kaz with a steel chair. <laughs> oh, he's cashing in. Brian's cashing. That's what we gotta do. <laughs> we gotta make that a segment where you just run at the end of every show, cash in, and whatever's that on works. your mind, you can we will talk about. All right. It's it's the carrying cross thing is nuts because he was out there this week saying he, he and Scarlett thought they were gonna be WWE lifers, and you know, there's a world in which they should have been. It's really weird when Fandango is a good example. I mean, in some ways, Drew Drew barely escaped being another example of this. But it's like, mm-hmm. like for all of the competition that AEW presents in terms of signing other talent, for all the opportunities out there in the indie scene, you know, in Japan, the world, um, there is a sort of subset of dudes who, if they're not in WWE, lose a lot of lose a lot of luster. Right? Right. You had yep. you had um. Uh, what's his name on Mac Mania this week? Um, e- EC3 yeah, EC3 and, uh, and Adam Sure. Adam Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. th- those are good examples of that too. Well, I mean, EC3 could have been. I mean, probably could have fit relatively seamlessly into AEW. Um, but who knows how big it would have been? But but Adam Sure yeah. is a, a great example, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's sort of strange carrying crosses. Think about how hot a commodity he was when he was at Impact, you know, and like trying to get out of that contract and everything. I mean, he was and, and coming in. It's just it was after that Adam Cole promo and his injury. It felt to me that all the mystique that he had was gone. Like this is a guy who took the title from Keith Lee, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, I, I get it. Like we wanted Keith Lee to be NXT champion, but Karrion Cross is coming, so I get why you do that. Then he gets hurt. But he just didn't like, and you know, sometimes with injuries, it take a while for guys to get back to who they was. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, that. I mean, you're right. It's, there's a lot of psychological stuff going on there too. I don't know. For me, it wasn't ever. I mean, it, it shouldn't have been that big of a deal for Cross because Cross wasn't right. Cross wasn't doing Hurricane Rana's and you know complex moves exactly. and stuff. But it is like I've always said he was like a very cerebral wrestler, and I mean that not in the sense that he's like a technician, like a 
Dean Malenko or something like that. But I think I've said before that like, I would say there's like two kinds of wrestlers, right? There's, I mean, you can say this about just about any walk of life. There are the people who were like born to do it in terms of like the physical skill and the people who just like are, were so determined to do it. And frankly, like smart enough that they can figure out a way to get over, you know, like, mm -hmm. like yeah. I put John Moxley in the second category. Like that dude has a lot of physical gifts, but he just wants to like, and you still see it to this day. He like, he wants to be the best wrestler in the world and so and so like thinks his way to that point right he like tries to yeah. figure out the weight the path there jericho's obviously has like evolved into that second category but he was born into the first category right i mean he yeah. jericho's like a Shawn michaels i mean you put him out there in the ring blindfolded you know with a hand tied behind his back and he'll go out and have a five-star match you know i mean it's just there's Facts. like and, and that's how a lot of guys just get over um mm -hmm. cross is not someone that you look at and you're just like Oh, this guy's a secret genius or whatever, you know, but like, but still he like he built himself into a really legitimate wrestler and mm -hmm. and character more importantly and 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 free agent and everything else. And then the WWE thing fell apart. It's just like all oh, the wind went out. They could bring him back in a second, you know? I think he'd probably be over like Rover because he has the hype of being someone that WWE dropped the ball on. There's like almost nothing better that you could be in WWE than someone that they swing and missed on, right? Um, yeah. In terms of fans. Uh, what, what else, is there anything else you want to talk about from this week? Um, you, want to, you want to talk about Ric Flair calling Jericho or Shawn Michaels wannabe? <laughs> yeah, how about that, you know? Um, I, and I, it's weird because, like, at this point, I'm looking at Chris Jericho as a legend who's standing on his own, right? And... Obviously, Ric Flair's a legend. Obviously, Shawn Michaels' a legend. So I'm like, what made him even think? Like, what did Jericho do to tick Ric Flair off to even make him say? Well, I think that there's a long-standing weird thing there. I don't know if it's a personal beef or just a Ric Flair fixation, but it is very strange. I will say this though: yeah. Flair is uh, the best ever. <laughs> um, but compared to some of his peers, like the people, the absolute top of the Mount Rushmore rankings. Mm -hmm. I've always thought he gets sort of a free pass when it comes to the reputation for being willing to put guys over. Like when people talk about Hulk Hogan, they're like, he wouldn't put over Savage. He wouldn't put over like whatever. It's always about, and, and a million other guys in that category. It's always about who they were, like the, the outsiders, you know, Kevin Nash, whatever. It's always about who they refuse to put over. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair, though, has this way to be just to have this like very he has a very like casual conversation style when you're just like, oh, I did. You know, the plan was for so and so to be champion. He's just like, no, 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 no. I told him I would have I would have let Barry Windham beat me for the belt. But like that, you know, we did, but, but not him because he wasn't really he's not. Listen, I understand how the wrestling world works. He's not what the fans were looking for. They do it. He does it in this way where it's like like he's doing the exact same thing. But he, but he, but he says it in a way that everybody's like, you know what? That makes total sense, Rick. Because we all like him better as an in-ring performer, and I don't know. I mean, it's he always gets a little bit of a free pass there. But at the end of the day, Rick's just like everybody else. He part part of the measure of being champion is to choose how you go out. It's choose to choose who you put over, right, mm -hmm. at your own expense. And I think that's what's going on here. I think I don't think I think he put over Shawn Michaels on the way out the door. He sort of like handed him that that mantle and never worked with Chris, or at least not enough to like put him over in the same way. And I think that he just feels like people are saying nice things about Chris Jericho 
and Rick never got the chance to chime in, and so that puts him in Rick on Rick's bad side. You know what I mean? It's not it's not uh, Jericho. Yep. It's that Rick feels like he was left out of the booking committee meeting when they just when <laughs> someone decided that Jericho is is one of the all time greats. Mm, that makes sense. But it's I mean, but it's, I mean, Jericho's Jericho's undeniable. You know, right? I mean, you don't do this for thirty years, you know, and like and be mediocre. And he's always reinvented himself. That's what makes Chris Jericho great. The fact that, like you said, you look at him from the beginning of his career and now he's always reinvented himself. Yeah. And always, and we always talk about it every time he reinvents himself. Remember when he, remember when he came back and didn't say anything that one time? Yeah. <laughs> he, he had the light up jacket. It was actually like, how do you get, how do you come back? How does Jericho make a return and get himself over as a heel? And he just figured it out. He did something that no one else has ever done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, Jericho's just he's been he's been so fun for so long. And this is the I mean, right now is just he's got a barbed wire match next week. His second his right. second ever barbed wire match. His first one was like 135 years ago against <laughs> Beef Wellington. Did you see the people are passing mm-hmm. or he he at some point posted the poster of of the promo for this match and but it was recirculating this week. Um Oh wow. Uh, he said it hurt. I think he posted it in like 2018, but he was like, they didn't, they weren't smart enough to like trim the barbed wire. So it was a lot more painful than he thought it would be. It was also the last time he ever did it. And I think he talked about it at the time, like he would never do it again. Now he has a barbed wire match with Eddie Kingston. Um, wow, I see the poster. <laughs> uh, 93, January 29th, 1993. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in this barbed wire match? Obviously, AEW's had a couple of instances of the hardcore stuff not paying off, you know, but it 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 it, it looms so large in our minds. Um, yeah, I mean, you think about Eddie Kingston when they had the um, you know, the explosion match and how much how well he sold mm-hmm. the uh, everything. Yeah. With, um, so I I think with this, I, I think they get it right, but yeah, I think man, him and Eddie Kingston they're gonna bleed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, Phil Schneider is writing a piece for us for next week. I think with his the nice. twenty greatest barbed wire matches of all time. Um, oh, nice! I can't wait. Phil's to the that. expert. Phil, you know, wrote uh, "Way of the Blade" and everything. I mean, this is his. This is his. This is this is his milieu. Um, so I'm like looking over the list. I don't look. I don't watch this stuff. I think I've said it before. Like I. I, w- I will watch. I- I'm not going to say no. If you're like, if you know, if I if I were editing Phil's piece, I think the great Cal Davenport will be editing it. But if if I were editing the piece and there was a reason to check, you know, make sure that he was describing the match mm-hmm. correctly, I'll watch it. If you were like, hey, watch this. I want to talk about this in the show. I'll watch it. No problem at all. But I'm not the sort of person who like seeks out bloody matches or you know death matches and stuff just to like get a thrill. Oh, neither am I. <laughs> neither am I. I did some work with CZW one time, and you know. One of the wrestlers asked me, I was doing social media. He's like, you take a picture of his thumbnail right in his chair. Mm-hmm. I mean, a thumbtack. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's what you want. But I'm like, oh, no way. Let me stay back. I wasn't near the ring. I'm standing in the crowd far enough so I can, I can still do my job it makes me, without the. <laughs> it makes me a little bit sad. I don't know why. It's not even like the goriness. It's just, I don't know. I'm just sort of down. You know, and, and like the blood when you know there's going to be blood. You know, is not. I guess if you're watching a replay on YouTube, it's not like you, you know no one dies or you know whatever. You know, but it's just I don't know. It's it's the it's the human the human toll. I don't I, you know like the the famous uh, Sabu Terry Funk ECW barbed wire match, 
where I was just watching, I was, I was as part of this whole conversation, watching a Sabu shoot video where he said he wasn't supposed to win, but Terry Funk couldn't roll over at the end because he was, if you go back and watch that match, the worst part is not the blood, the whatever, the, the, the whips into the barbed wire. It's at the end, they're both so cocooned in barbed wire that they can't move that like, that's the end of the match is like, uh, they have guys, you know, the dudes are coming out with like the wire cutters to like try to free them from it i mean it's Ooh. just it's just like ah, it's just it's like it's like literally the stuff of nightmares right it's like oh i'm so i'm yeah. wrapped in barbed wire and i can't move my arm you know it's crazy anyway jericho and uh kingston um it's going to be interesting to see how they do it now the stakes i mean the, the expectations for these things are always just so unreasonably high i think that's the craziest part you could have a great barbed wire match where like there is no not a moment where you or I are thinking like this is a really bad decision. But like I feel like there's still gonna be a vocal contingent who are just gonna be like, if there's no bad decisions, that doesn't count, you know? <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. CZW, all those places just left a real impression on the way that we yeah. watched. I mean, obviously <laughs> Japanese deathmatch style stuff too is is uh, casts a huge shadow. Um I don't know, man. It'll be it'll be really interesting. I'm sure they've I'm sure it'll be something to watch. My my guess is it's mm. going to be pretty freaking awesome. Um, yeah. what else is there? Oh, did you watch NXT? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I was surprised at the end. Cora Jade. I got to tell you, turn- I was surprised too. Mm. Cora Jade turning on Roxanne. Uh, uh, Roxanne, and I'm a huge Roxanne uh, fan. I I watched her come up from you know Booker T's school, uh, and so still. But I'm like, I get it though. If like. That's gonna make Roxanne. Roxanne has the already a built-in baby face. Like I'm talking the ability to be the most beloved women's wrestler in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And this just adds to it. You know, having her tag partner turn on her, and we automatically gonna feel sympathy for. Um, and I'm interested to see how Cora Jade, uh, you know, pans out as a heel, but also how you get the tag titles off of them. I saw somebody said it looks like WWE doesn't care about the tag team titles at all, uh, women's tag team titles. But this is different, so I'm interested to see what happens from here. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think you're right. You you put it you put it perfectly. Um, this just this helps this helps Roxanne. That's it. Like this is going to be. I mean, Cora Jade's needed needed a needed something to do. Needed needed yeah. some sort of shift to her character. It's sort of like when the when. Seth Rollins is wearing the baseball cap cocked at like the three o'clock position. I was just like, no, now he's a heel. And I don't care if he's a baby face on TV. That makes me heel. If you carry around a skinny skateboard to the ring, I don't care what your gimmick is. You're a heel to me. Okay. So I'm glad that she's now she can break it over people's heads. That's great. Um, And it sort of retroactively makes, it makes the last whatever month or so a lot more interesting. Right. I mean, I think there was a little bit of bore of like samey boringness to their team up to begin with and that happens in nxt and whatever a lot where they'll just be like they need a, a baby face team or something and they'll just throw the two people together men's side too um mm-hmm. but now the whole thing was there's this like internal competition i love it i wish they'd done a little bit more with that at the time but it, it it's really cool and and when I mean, that episode was actually really, really well done. Because once you got over the shock, if you go back and watch it, there was the whole she got beat up in the parking lot. Everybody's like, what the heck happened? You think you know the answer. Yeah. Um, and then Cora Jade comes out and she's just like, does the baby face thing. She's just like, you're you're not getting out of this. If she can't go, <laughs> then I get the match. And then 
Roxanne comes out and she's like, oh, damn. <laughs> you know, like it's like it was. It's old school. Yeah. It's so old school. I love it. And because uh, I do think Toxic Attraction are headed to the main roster soon. And I think Mandy Rose, I mean, I just think she's, you know, uh, I know this is going to be high expectations, but new age Trish Stratus, mm-hmm. where we see her as somebody who, you know, everybody loves her because of her looks. But now you're going to see like her skills improve and, you know, just she owns this character. And I think it's main roster ready at this point. So I think now you get the transition and, you know, we'll see things built around Cora J and Roxanne. I think so too. I think, and I think it's, I think it's a good plan. Who do you think she's going to drop the title to? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think we'll do it like a triple threat. I, I, they, have, they have a show coming up. They have, what's the next, I, I guess we'll do one at SummerSlam. Yeah, that would make sense. I would, I would see her dropping the core Jade, uh, and then have Cora and Roxanne feud over the Same. title. To me, that would, yeah, that would make the most sense. I wouldn't give Roxanne a championship this way. Like I, I, that baby face chase is going to be amazing. Cause when she get that pop, it's going to be, you know, I can see her getting it around Survivor Series, maybe Royal Rumble S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be a lot of fun. I just want to shout, shout yeah. out the Apollo Crews Vinci match. It was actually a really, that was one of my favorite matches of the week just because it was just solid as hell. I mean, that's a, that's, that was, that's totally my jam. Um, love both those guys. I just love watching the Apollo Crews journey is eventually just going to be that like, like, he started out as the shortest guy in the company, and by the time he retires, he's going to be like average sized, and it's a very bizarre yeah. journey. Like, <laughs> yeah, here's somebody that I, it's a lot of people in WWE that I look at. They're just too good to be released. Like they're a solid hand. Like when you, I was talking about Dolph Ziggler yeah. earlier, you look at Ziggler like a, a utility player. But a lot of times in baseball, utility players look at somebody who isn't always a superstar or always, it won't win you a, a MVP or a World Series MVP. But in wrestling, they can. Miz, Grand Slam, two-time Grand Slam champion. And I look at uh, Apollo as somebody, or Apollo Crews as somebody who's that guy who you can put him on the main roster. You know he's going to deliver in the ring every time. Oh, man, he's so good. And he's getting better, too. I mean, I don't know if... It seems like I just enjoy watching him, like, bell to bell so much now. Um, Yeah. And he, you know... What, it seems like WWE has a really limited bandwidth for like the smaller guys who could do like the smaller flippy guys to use this sort of derisive term for him. So it's it's good to see him getting a look like this, just like a real proper match, you know, and 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 showing what he can do. Um, speaking yeah. of the smaller flippy guys, did you see the promo for Axiom, the former? I'm sorry if this breaks kayfabe or spoils anybody. It's a kid from NXT UK is going to debut no. under a mask for for NXT. I'm oh, I I'm it. so behind this. They have a kid in like a superhero. Well, it's it's like a you know like a um, oh who's a who is the luchador that it looks like? It, it's like a luchador. It's like a like a um, well no, it's more it's more like a like a psychosis sort of thing where it has like the big like Wolverine thing sticking up. You know, like it's a big headdress, more like a Japanese style thing. Um, uh, it's gonna be so. I mean, and the gimmick is like I want to be a superhero. But I'm gonna be really serious. So now I'm just like a Spanish dude, but I'm wearing like a super it's not a, just like a it's not a ma- it's not a wrestling mask. It's a it's a freaking superhero mask. Like I wanna rep whatever. It's he's gonna be over. He's gonna be over. I mean, I like yeah. to I like to you know. Yeah, I've heard Flobo talk about him a lot. Oh, he's so good. Flo Phil's Bo a huge fan too. I mean, he's just like nobody wrestles like him. Certainly not outside of UK, but like I mean NXT UK, nobody in WWE is working like him. He's really, really good. But um 
Oh, I've always been a fan of putting high flyers under masks. Like why? Like why not? You don't have to just have been br- like brought up in one. You know, you don't have to like have worked your whole career in Mexico in one to get that. I mean, uh, you know, it's the whole Sin Cara fiasco in WWE for so long. At the time, I was just like, like WWE's like complaining that he can't. You know, he's not learning English fast enough. He keeps getting hurt. There's all this weird like trans, tra- like not just literal, but translation issues over. And um, at the time, I was just like. Why did you just cast Ricochet in this role? Like, is anybody gonna be mm-hmm. mad? Like, he's already out there playing Prince Puma. Like, let's just let him do this. They should just do like let everybody wear masks. Like, the masks just make everything better. Somebody's not getting over. Have a whole like you just take like Lucha House Party and cross it with demol with um not demolition with the with the machines. You remember? Do you remember the machines from way back where they had Andre the Giant and those guys? It was, they stole the gimmick from Japan, but it's basically just Andre got suspended, so they brought him back in a, in a black mask. And there was a bunch of other dudes in black masks, and that was like cross those two things and just have all <laughs> of your favorite flippy wrestlers in masks as part of a team, except they're really good and they're legit and they're respected, and everybody knows who they are, but we can't say it out loud. That'll right. get people over. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should get out of here. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we do? No, I just uh, want to plug Book of Wrestling. Uh, you know, because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I know we uh, just saw Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart's uh, rivals. But oh, yeah. It was perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing. Uh, shout out to you. I love that opening in episode one uh, about, you know, the Knights and everything. And it, because it, it oh, kind of has episode like. Eight. You it mean the me... last episode that we just oh, did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first part of, of <laughs> the Montreal Screwjob episode. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It took me back because, you know, you talk about Noble Knight and Survivor Series 93. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be, it was Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels and his Knights. Yeah. So that whole thing, um, you know, obviously, you know, producing this, I'm hearing it the first time. But then after it's all said and done, I go back and listen to it as a fan. And it's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't love listening myself, but I go back. And, I mean, but I, I am listening. I mean, I have to listen to these in the production process, but like they're, they are fun. Right. They are fun. It's, it's like the only podcast. Sometimes we're in the car and my wife will just be like, let's listen to one of your podcasts. Just she, cause she knows that I'm just like, no, like I don't, <laughs> but these, um, these, these are okay. We can listen to these. Um, but yeah. also because it's like, it is much, it is like such a group effort. You know, like I see the cool things you guys do with the sound and it's, it's fun. Um, so we're, yeah, we're, we're part two of the Montreal screw job is in post-production right now. Hopefully be up very soon. Um, it was a lot, man. These two episodes about the Montreal Screw Job were just really, really have, were a lot of fun to do because, well, nothing else. You know, we do all these interviews, and then we that's a, my, I basically I do all the interviews over a period of time. Um, sometimes, if I don't get the interview, I'm like writing the article. I mean, write the article, writing the story around the interview, and then hoping that something sort of fits in. But these, we did all the interviews beforehand, and, and you know that when we when I pieced everything together in a Google Doc, like all the quotes. <laughs> Yeah, I shot it off to you and to all, the, all the other people on the team, and I was like, it was it was like forty pages long, you know. It's just like, guys, yep. we have like <laughs> we have like an insanely cool oral history of the Montreal screw job just as it stands, and that that yeah. is really what sings about this episode. It's, it's a lot. It's you know, we talked to Sean, we talked to Triple H, uh, we talked to Bruce Pritchard, but the 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 star of the show is Jerry Briscoe, and mm-hmm. and um, man, I could just listen to that guy talk all day long. It, it, yeah, and you know, he was like so nice just beforehand. But you know, like as a Bret Hart fan, the Montreal Screwjob was always sensitive for mm-hmm. me. But uh I- I'm sitting there listening, I'm like, ah, y'all got me. It it, it took probably 12, 13 years because I was gung-ho. I still I will never believe Brett would have taken the title 
to WCW. I, I believe oh, he no, no, respected no, no. the business too much. But I understand why, you know, and sitting there listening to this makes me really understand, like, all right, I get why you did what you did, Vince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think it makes Vince right to say, to, right. To say okay. but to say that I understand why you did what you did. I think everybody has very mm-hmm. different motivations in this one. Um, exactly. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for a general audience, and I joke around about it in the thing, but it's like it really is just like, you, you, the more time you spend staring at it, the more you're just like, why is this so complicated? It's like, it's actually not. And also the screw job itself. I don't want to spoil the ending, but it's like, it's like everybody talks about this, like the idea of doing a screw job finish as if you're just like, it's like going nuclear with Russia or something. It's just like that, that is it's the <laughs> Pandora's box. We cannot go down that. Like, I cannot believe we push that button. Mm-hmm. But if you're like watching at home, if you're like a casual fan, if you if someone was just like, yeah, it's pro wrestling, and this guy doesn't want to go along with my plan, it's just like, well, just this wrestling, just take the belt from him, right? So it's like this weird thing where <laughs> exactly. it's like it's so insane, but it's also so like kind of obvious. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, anyway, listen to that. A lot of fun talk about other screw jobs. We talked about Chief Don Eagle um, in the first part of the month of Brett screwed Brett. And then part two talk about uh, the Wendy Richter screw job and, and some other fun stuff in there too. That's what my friends say though. They get, they love listening to it cause they always get a history lesson from you uh, on wrestling. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, that's the fun part about doing it. So anyway, it's like, you know, the attitude era is like, um, I'm having a lot of fun, like revisiting that part because it's such a big part of my fandom. But like, I don't know. I will probably, I, I don't know that I would have chosen the attitude era except that, Man, it's like a layup in a lot of ways. People want to hear about that stuff over and over again. So it's fun to find other using the editor to talk about other things, to think about other things. And um, as we talk about this right now, I'm like going over. Should we do spoiler alert? I'm talking. I mean, we're going over interview transcripts for that's got to be Kane, which is the weirdest one because it's so not attitude era in so many ways. But anyway, um, hopefully that'll be coming up soon. Thank you for listening, Brian. Thank you for doing this. Thanks to Kaz. Uh, check out check out the Book of Wrestling feed. Um, we're 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 churning out episodes as fast as we can. Uh, of course, the Ring of Wrestling show. Um, we got Mac Mania. We got Cheap Heat. We got the Mass Man show with Kaz. Listen to everything. It's all really good. Summer Slams are coming up. We got big plans. Stay tuned to listen to that. Thank you to Brian. Uh, thank you as always to John Karma who is with us here in spirit. Apologies as always to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids.